I knew Sandy would be all right singing Dolly's part. But brother, you did good on Zach's part, amen. That's a duet by Zach Williams and Dolly Parton. And um, ain't it good to see these young folks finding people like Dolly and uniting and singing songs like that about Jesus? You know, have you figured that out yet? That life, no matter if you're going to admit it or not, once you become a Christian, there's seasons, there's days, sometimes weeks, when you're saying, where is Jesus? And you wondered where he went. And then you find out later in the journey, <laughs> he was there the whole time. You see, Jesus doesn't leave us, we leave him. And when you find your place saying, where's Jesus? Jesus isn't the one that's in the wrong spot. It's usually us, amen? And he's there. And what a beautiful, beautiful song. This morning I want to talk to us about an ugly four-letter word that's going to offend some of you, and I'll say it in the church. But I'm going to say it anyway because it's in the Bible, so that relieves somebody already. <laughs> but I want to talk to us this morning about work. It's obvious Americans don't like it. And it's true that the work ethic that God created us to have that we all should participate in it's something that a lot of people in our day and in our generation and our culture thinks they can do without. But unfortunately, it's not only entered into society and corrupted our culture, especially some younger people, but it's in the church that we forgot that we was put on this earth to serve the Lord and to work. And the Bible says if you don't eat, if you don't work, you don't eat. But if you go back and look, Check it out. Go get the book of Genesis. Read about paradise, that perfect place where Adam and Eve lived before sin ever came in. And it says the Bible, the Bible says that he created Adam and he put Adam in the garden to tend and keep it. <laughs> That's work. And that was paradise. And then he realized that tending and keeping the garden was tough, so he gave Adam... A helper, and that's when everything messed up. Now I'm joking. <laughs> but he gave him a helper. A helper to do what? To tend and keep the garden. Guys, work is an inescapable part of God's plan. And if you don't want to work, you're going to miss out on some of the greatest things in life. I don't know about you, but I ain't always wanting to work, but I've learned the benefit of it. Amen? And I've learned that when you work, there's purpose in it, there's fulfillment in it, that there's a result that comes to where you experience satisfaction that your life has accomplished something and that you've done something that's of value. Can I get an amen? And so before we even start this talk this morning, I need to get you in the Bible where you need to be. Who do we work for? I want to ask you that. And as you turn into that passage of Scripture, Colossians 3, 23, 25, while you're turning there, I want to show you what work is if you look it up. Work is activity involving mental or physical effort. It's not only physical work, there's mental work. And it's done in order to achieve a purpose 
are a result. The greatest thing you'll ever do with your life is involve yourselves in activities mentally and physically that are making an effort to achieve the purpose and to result in the glory of God. And friends, listen. You don't bring God glory sitting around doing nothing but waiting on God to do everything. And I know we're saved by faith and not by works, but we're saved by faith to do works. Can I get an amen? We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. So I want you to look at it with me this morning as we look here at our passage. And right above that, there's a verse that I didn't put on here that I want you to look at first. It's in verse 17. And I want you to notice what it says. It says, whatever you do in word or deed. That means whatever you say and whatever you do, if you're a Christian, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's how important Jesus is. That whatever you do with the life he gave you, And if you're a Christian, the life that he redeemed and he purchased with his own blood, that he saved, that he took you out of darkness, took you out of the world, and brought you into spiritual life in relationship with God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, so for us that are Christians, whatever we do in word and deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father Through Jesus. That's what we're to do with our life. And look at what he says where I want to preach from this morning, starting out. He says, and whatever you do, do it heartily. Somebody's translation says, with all your heart. Give it everything you got. So whatever you do, do it with all your heart. As to the Lord and not to men. Let me tell you who you work for. You don't work for your boss, and if you're self-employed, you don't work for yourself. You might say, I got it bad. I work at McDonald's. You don't work for Ronald. You work for Jesus, let me hear it tell you. If you work for the President of the United States, that's not who you ultimately work for. You work for the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are blood-bought, spirit-filled, and you expect to go to the kingdom, you need to be working for the King. Can I get an amen? But guys, it's got in the church where people don't want to work. We don't want to do nothing. We don't want to do anything but what we want to do. But guys, listen, there's benefit to it. And it doesn't only cost you. It costs everybody in the kingdom, in the church, when we got it filled with people who are like progressives, you know what, that thinks that the government's going to give them everything. God will give you salvation, but he ain't going to give you everything in life unless you follow his plan unless you walk in his obedience. And that takes effort, my friend. That takes work. Jesus said the road that he's leading us down, you've got to enter through the narrow gate, the difficult gate. And the road that he's going down is not the easy road. It's the difficult. It's not easy. It takes effort. It takes work to walk with Jesus. But a lot of Christians don't want to put off the forehead. If you're not going to take and make the effort to pray, 
If you're not going to make the effort to get in the Word of God and dig down and study, and you're not going to make the effort to discipline yourself, to spend time with the Lord and go with the Lord, and there comes a place in every Christian's life where the Lord, when you first get saved, you're like a baby. He does a lot for you. He does most things for you. But there comes a time when you grow in Christ that now it's time for you to stand up, mature up, and now you're able to do ministry and do stuff for the Lord. You don't get to just sit and be burped and bottle-fed the milk for your entire Christian life. You grow up. And listen to what it says. And whatever you do, do it heartily with all your heart as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you're going to receive a reward of the inheritance. Friends, that is an unbelievable thing. Knowing that whatever you do for the Lord that you're doing it in the name of Jesus, all that you say, every deed, everything that you do, and, and you do it for him, you're going to receive a reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. You don't serve a man. You serve God. And I want you to think about this. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to show you. It's an overwhelming. It's not just a passage or two. It's an overwhelming, everywhere you look in the Bible, truth. That we work for Jesus, and when you work for Jesus, Jesus uses our works for his glory and our benefit, and he changes the world through people who are willing to serve him, follow him, take up his cross, their cross, deny themselves and follow Christ. That's what it's all about. Now, I want you to look about this. He also tells us in a verse right below that, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. There's no favoritism. Guys, I know what you're thinking. Well, I ain't doing nothing wrong. But if you ain't doing nothing right, <laughs> see, the Bible says, to he who knows to do good and does it not to that man, that is sin. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, not doing anything for Jesus your whole Christian life, never serving, never taking up the charge to be involved in ministry and to be a witness and to be a walking, talking testimony, not only in what you say, but how you live is a sin. And there will be a day of repail for that. Here we go again. I done forgot how to work this thing. I ain't used it in so long. But I want you to look at this passage with me here. This comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. How many of you have ever heard of the judgment seat of Christ? The judgment seat of Christ is one of four, at least, judgments that are in the Bible. The judgment seat of Christ is only for Christians. It's only for the church. It's not for Old Testament saints. It's for the New Testament saints. It's not to judge us for our sins. It is to judge us for our works the life that we used for Christ once we were saved. Paul says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Jesus. Why? Because we know we must all be, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one, he's including himself, may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, guys, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're all going to stand before the Lord. Now, you, everybody says, when's that going to happen? I believe it happens during the seven-year tribulation, and so do most people who believe in the same types of 
end time results as we do as Baptists. How many of you believe in the rapture? How many of you are looking forward to it coming? How many of you believe there's a seven-year tribulation coming upon this earth? Well, guys, at the time of the rapture, the church will be raptured to heaven. And at that same time, the wrath of God will be poured out on the unbelieving earth for the seven-year tribulation. The, the church will be with Jesus and during that seven-year tribulation while the earth is being judged by the wrath of God for their unbelief. We're going to be judged. We're going to be rewarded for what we did in our belief in faith in Jesus. At the end of that seven-year tribulation, Jesus is going to return with his triumphant church. Right before the triumphant church, there's going to be a celebration in heaven called the marriage supper of the lamb because the bride is going to be reunited to the groom. That's the church in Jesus. We'll all be rewarded and recognized for our faithfulness to our king. He will sit on the Bema seat. He'll look each one of us in the eye and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, and he will reward you for your faithfulness to him. Now that makes a lot of people feel negative this morning. You know what would make someone feel bad about that? He ain't done much for Jesus. <laughs> That's the only thing. Now here's the good news. It has nothing to do with your salvation. Guys, there's another verse that ain't just one verse I picked out. Romans 4.10 says, For we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. That's what Paul's saying, including himself and every Christian. When you look in 1 Corinthians, he gives us some in-depth stuff. I want to show you first, though. Biblically, our works is the things we do and don't do in the body every day. That's your works. And if you get to read in the Bible, talks about our works a whole, whole lot, especially the Apostle Paul. The life, the output, the activity in your life every day that you are doing in the name of Jesus, for Jesus, that you're doing it with the right attitude, with all your heart, are going to be remembered. And friends, listen, not only is he going to remember what we did, but the quality of our works are going to be recognized. That's why we do it and who we do it for. See, there's a lot of people that do stuff in the church, but they ain't really doing it for Jesus. They do it for themselves, for personal recognition, for glory. Some do it for riches and filthy lucre. Preachers. <laughs> but friends, listen, it only counts if you're doing it with a heart that really is doing it for Jesus. And you're doing it with the right motive and the right attitude and the right reason for doing it for Jesus. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you figured this out, but any of you ever laid a foundation? Any one of you built a house, built a fence? Laying a foundation is working. Can I get an amen? The foundation is already laid, but we are to build on the foundation. God laid the foundation. He gave his son Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. We, through the cross, were saved. We were brought into a spiritual life. Now that life that we have is built upon Jesus. He's saying about it. He's the cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation stone. Everything that God does on this earth 
is built up on the foundation of his son Jesus. If it has any spiritual and eternal merit to it, that's the only place you can build it. You can't build a spiritual inheritance anywhere else. And look at what he says in the next verse. And if anyone builds on this foundation, if he builds on this foundation, the foundation of Christ, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, I want you to notice, he's using some things that we're all familiar with to show us that the works that we're doing, the things that we're building with on this foundation, Start with a high value, gold. That's about as high as you could build with. Boy, wouldn't it be cool if we had all this, we had a gold pulpit. And I went to a church in Nashville one time and had a gold toilet, and I'm not making that up. TBA or whatever it was called, TBN. I came out of there and I was scared to use it. But guys, all kidding aside, he says if we build with gold, we build with silver, we build with costly stones, there's a going down. Or you build with wood. Wood is usable. You build with hay. You can at least take hay and feed an animal. But straw ain't good nothing but for an animal to lay on and you do know what else with. <laughs> and so he's showing you there is a different levels of value in what we do. Let me show you the next verse. He says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work... Their work will be shown for what it is. Guys, what you do for Jesus that's built on the foundation, notice that only what you do for Jesus is going to be recognized in heaven. All these people that serve all these other things, they're not bad things, but why would you, if you're a Christian, waste your life serving secular things when Jesus wants you to serve the church and to serve the things that gives him the glory. I was at a church in Mississippi and there was a lot, and I don't want to offend any of you if you're one of them, but there was people in there that went down to the, 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 the temple, uh, what, what are they called? Um, y'all know what I'm talking about. The Masons. The Masons lie. And they did all their work down there. They did all their service down there. And one of them's son got saved and he had gotten an argument and he brought me and Brother Dusty to talk to his daddy. And Brother Dusty said the best thing I've ever heard because I ain't arguing with a bunch of Masons, but I'm telling you this, if you give all of your life to serving that Mason lodge, you wasted it as far as eternity because none of that's going to be recognized in heaven. You ought to give your life to serve Jesus Christ and the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords through his church, his body. And Dusty, he looked at this guy, and he said, I serve, I'm on the Shriners, I help kids at the hospital, all of that's good stuff. But it's bringing all recognition to Shriners, to a Mason's Lodge. And if you go to the Mason's Lodge, Jesus ain't the only way. They're universalists. They teach that there are multiple ways to God. Jesus ain't the only, he's one of, which ain't true. And friends, I want you to think about this. Why would you use your life serving something that gets recognition and gets the glory, but you don't even get a reward for it in heaven because it says their work will be shown for what it is because the day 
will bring it to light. What day? The day that we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. And look at what it says. It will be revealed with fire. The what fire? The fire of his judgment. The fire of his testing. The fire will test the quality of each person's work. The first test of the quality of our work is who did you do it for? And why did you do it? Did you do it on the foundation of Jesus? Or did you do it for something else? There's ultimate places that people use their life to serve. And I'm not against things like the Red Cross. I'm not against giving to that. But if you use your whole life to serve that instead of God, you see, friends, where does God want us to serve him? In this dispensation, this season of his eternal work on earth. I'm going to tell you, in the church, the church of Jesus, for his son, who is the head of the church. Now look at that. If anyone builds on this foundation, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, the day that we stand before God will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Now, guys, I want you to look at this with me. If what has been built survives, so not everything that we built, not every work that you built on the foundation of Jesus is going to survive. It's going to determine by Jesus. Not everything you did is going to make it. He said, if it survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss. He won't have a reward. He won't get eternal recognition. Yet he will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. That's the good news. Do you know there are going to be some Baptists in heaven that smell like they just went through a barbecue pit? And they're going to smell like smoke? And they're not going to have anything that they can offer Jesus because they never worked. They never did anything. They never built on the foundation of Jesus. You see, we don't all just leave and go to heaven and everyone's equal. We're equal at the cross as sinners. Everyone's saved. Everyone's given the exact same salvation. Everyone's given the exact grace that is sufficient to make you and equip you to do ministry for Jesus. No one truly saved will have any excuse why he or she could not serve Jesus. Well, I just didn't talk like Brother Marvin. I just didn't have as much money. You had a life that was saved and purchased by the blood of Jesus that could have been used for him. Today, the church thinks nothing of spending your whole life never doing anything for Jesus. We don't even realize that we're going to answer for it, I think. I want you to look at this. Hebrews, this is the good part. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown toward the Mason's Lodge, the YMCA, the Red Cross. I'm not putting down on those things, and I'm not belittling you, but I'm letting you understand that those don't count for Jesus. And they're not going to give you an eternal benefit because they're not done in the name of Jesus to bring glory to Jesus and to build his church. See, Jesus wants us to minister and evangelize lost people, but when people get saved, he wants us to disciple saved people by ministering to them and making them able to go and minister to others. 
And his primary source and location to do that is in the body of Christ, the church. And friends, there ain't nothing wrong with doing public volunteering good things, but not at the expense of it costing you and making you not able to serve Jesus through the body of Christ. Look at this. Boy, it's quiet in here this morning. This is a place where someone ought to be saying, Hallelujah, Jesus, even a Baptist. Because every one of us that has done works and labors of love toward the name of Jesus by ministering to his saints and who are ministering, my friend, he's not going to forget what we've done for him. He's going to not be unjust to say, I know you've done that, but he's going to remember every person who served him wholeheartedly with everything he got, every deed he spoke, done, every word he spoke in the name of Jesus is going to be recognized. Church, that ought to make someone excited that we're going to get to stand and see Jesus, that we have potential, that we have, an, uh, because of the blood of Jesus, we've been given now the, the ability to serve him to where it brings him glory, and he, he receives that. And friends, listen, I know what some of us are going to think. I just don't have that much to give him. And you know, you look, no matter what you got, no matter what you give him, you could never give him too much. When you look over in Matthew chapter 26, right before Jesus was going to the cross, there was a lady who come bursting into a room full of Jesus and the apostles and some Pharisees, and she had an alabaster flask. Y'all know what I'm talking about? She took that alabaster flask full of that costly perfume. John's gospel said it was worth 300 denarii. Do you know how much a denarii was? A denarii was one day's wage. It was worth a year's worth. How many of you, you know, 300. We don't work 300 days a year. We get weekends off. So, But it was worth 300 working days of value. And she comes in. She runs up to Jesus and she busted it over his head, and she destroys the beautiful vial that it was in. And as it ran down, the Bible says she fell at his feet, and she took it, and she wiped Jesus, and she anointed his feet. And you know what it says his apostles did? They were indignant. They were upset. They said, what's wrong with her? Why did she waste this costly perfume? This could have been used to feed the poor. Do you know what Jesus said? I'll read it to you because I don't want to mess it up. But Jesus said and was aware of what they said. He says, why do you trouble this dear woman? For what she has done is a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. Do you understand that you're not always going to be able to have time to serve Jesus? It's going to come a day where you can't serve him no more. You say, yeah, I know when I die and go to heaven. No. I don't know if you've read Ecclesiastes lately. And I don't know if you've looked in a mirror lately, but some men in here would testify that some of us can't serve Jesus as well as we used to be able to serve Jesus because we're physically not able. You see, the time to serve the king of kings is in your youth, my friend. Why, you can give him the best of your life, all of your life. 
There's nothing wrong that at the end of life, even though you're crippled up, ain't got no breath, you can't do much more than show up, but at least you show up in the name of Jesus and do what you can. That's better than nothing. But friends, what's the best is to use your life today to serve him because he's worth serving. Let me tell you what the wisest man in the Bible, according to the Bible, said about it. King Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes and he also wrote the, the wisdom books. And it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem, he said, vanity is of vanities, says the preacher, vanity is vanities, all is vanity. He says, what profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? There's men everywhere this week working and toiling for the world's prize. And no one ever had more ability and more wealth and more wisdom to get all that the world has to offer than King Solomon. And if you read Ecclesiastes and studies, he said, man, I took my wealth and I bought and I built gardens and I bought entertainers and I drank wine and I did everything that it had to offer. But at the end of the day, I realized it was all vanity blowing away in the wind. And you study the book out. And he did do everything that you could possibly do to find fulfillment, satisfaction, pleasure in this life. And when he gets to the end, he says, I've seen all the works that are done under the sun and indeed all is vanity and just grasping the wind. You ever tried to catch the wind? <laughs> You got about as much chance of taking all your riches with you as you do catching the wind. Can't take it with us. But then he says this when you get to the last chapter, chapter 12. He says, serve thy creator in your youth, young man. And then a couple verses down he says, because the day is coming when the silver cord, talking about the gray head, is going to come. And you won't find pleasure in these days. In fact, it'll be hard just to get up. And this is what he says. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is the last verse. For fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing you do, whether good or evil. Friends, listen, it pays to use your life to serve the Lord. There's a great benefit to that. But friends, listen, I know what we're thinking. King Solomon was the wisest man. I'm not wise. I don't spiritually know a lot. And he was the richest man. I'm not wealthy. I don't have a vial of costly perfume worth a year's wages to give to Jesus. So I can't work and bless Jesus. Oh, yes, you can. There's a little widow woman in the Bible. All she had was one penny. That's all she had. And them rich Pharisees were standing there at the temple and there were seven big old trumpets that were brass and gold that went down in a tube into the treasury and they would throw their big old golden coins and they'd throw them in there one at a time to let every man hear what they put in there. Jesus was sitting there one day and they were watching all this. They were looking at that big extravagant temple that all that money had built. And a little lady had a little mite, they called it, a mite. Not mite like mighty, mite like bug mite. 
speck. And she tossed a little copper penny in there. Tink, tink. And Jesus said, you see what that little lady put in there? She gave more of all them hypocrites put together that want to be seen, that want to be recognized, that are doing it for their own self instead of him. You say, well, I don't maybe even have a penny. How many of you got a water faucet? You know what he said, my friend? Jesus said this. This gives me hope. Because no matter what, I always can bless somebody. He said, for whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to me, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Friends, Jesus said, when you see one of my people, if you'll just take the time, this is new, Jonathan, to give him a cup of water. And you'll do it because you know he's mine and he belongs to me. And because you want to minister to me, and you say, here you go, friend. Looks like you've been working hard for Jesus. Have a drink of water. He says, nothing but a cup of water. And that'll get you a reward that cannot be taken away. If you get rewarded for a cup of water, what do you think you get rewarded for for driving a church van? What do you think you get rewarded for for sitting in a nursery when the preacher preaches over every week? What do you think you get for teaching a Sunday school class? What do you think you get for giving everything you got to Jesus? You get a whole lot more than what this world will ever give you at the end of it. It's quiet in here because most of us aren't prepared the way we could be and should be. You don't lose your reward with Jesus, my friend. Jesus said, let not your treasures be here on earth where moth and thief come and steal and rob and you lose them, but put your treasures in heaven where you'll never lose them, where they'll be with you for all of eternity. Guys, work is not something we like. I asked them Wednesday night, how many of y'all like to work? It was about 25 people in there. Two people said, yeah. And y'all going to understand when I tell you, because they're both crazy. Dennis and Bart said, yeah, I like to work. <laughs> But most people don't like work. Work costs you something. It costs you effort. It costs you giving up what you would rather. I'd rather go fishing. I ain't going to lie. I'm going to be honest, Brother Dennis. I'd rather fish than work. Now, I love preaching. I love when God gives me a word, even right up here right now. I know some of y'all are saying, man, he's stomping all on my toes. I ain't doing nothing. I'm just relaying the message. If your toes are hurting, it's because you ain't been doing with them what you ought to have been doing. I'm aiming at your heart anyway. And I hope I've busted it wide open for the name of Jesus. But friends, listen to this. Working for Jesus, there's things I got to do that most of y'all don't understand. I got to go listen to everybody's bad news a couple times a week. I got to go to the people where the worst things happening in the church is happening to them. And I got to be there and I got to minister to them and I got to represent Jesus for them and I got to go fool with people that are being their own selfish, foolish self and shooting them own self in the foot. And then I got to, in my heart, I want to bust them upside the head, but in my flesh, but in my heart, Jesus is saying, love them because you ain't no different. That's work. That's ministering. You see, we look around and we see all these people and we say, now, man, they could do better for themselves. Look at them. Here he is in prison. Look at this one. He ain't got nothing to eat. 
This one is so bad, he ain't got no clothes to come to church. But Jesus said when he comes back, he's going to separate his sheep from the goats. And what's going to be the difference is the sheep, when they seen somebody hungry, they gave them food. They worked. When they seen somebody without clothes, they brought them clothes. When they seen the prisoners in prison, they went to the prison to minister to them, to help them. The goats didn't do nothing. <laughs> That's what most people in the church are content to do. Nothing. Jesus said, blessed are you. Enter into my Father's kingdom. Receive all that is prepared unto you. For when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was without clothing, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you come and seen me. And they said, Jesus, when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? When did we come and see you? He said, if you did it to the least of them, you done it unto me. See, working has a benefit. And then he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Do you always feel like working? Anyone who says they do, you need to get probably saved or repent at the least. I don't always feel like working. I'm a preacher. There's sometimes the last thing I want to do is get somebody to come. One time there was these people at my first church, and she was what we preachers call high maintenance. You see, you got people in the church, and some of you are high maintenance, and some of you, Jesus takes care of you. All we got to do is keep praying for you. And some of you, though, you pump up their tire this Sunday, and you're over there pumping up another member of their family next Sunday. You get that one pumped up, he doesn't leak down by the next Sunday. And you spend your whole life running around pumping up leaking people. That's part of it. It's part of what we do. But sometimes you want to quit. There was this one lady, oh Lord, she, she was hard to deal with. I'd been in seminary. We had a man named Ronnie that we let move in. He was the drunk across the street. We got him in rehab. We got him detox first. He got out. He got in rehab. He come back. He didn't have nowhere to go. I done invested that much. I done seen God get him sober. I done seen God get him through rehab. As long as he was willing to be sober and come to church and follow Jesus, I said, Ronnie, you can live with us. Ronnie lived with us. I didn't know if Ronnie was saved or not. I'm trying to reach old Ronnie. I knew him all my life. Man, I come home, been in seminary all day. I'm tired. Diane's got supper cooked. And y'all know me and supper don't get between me and my food. And I'm looking, I'm fixing to eat. And Diane said, well, before you do, you've got to make a phone call. She called. And she said she called. Donna? Yeah. Hey, Miss Donna, I've been in school all day. I just got home and it's 5.30. Diane's got supper. Could you come? My ankles are swelled. And could you come play for my ankles? I said, well, I could pray for them right now, sister. Well, I really want you to come. And, and when you got there, you prayed for the ankles, but you listened to a whole lot more. <laughs> And I just lost it. My flesh flared up. And I'm just, oh, I'm hungry. And all of a sudden, Ronnie's door opened. And old drunk Ronnie comes walking up. He said, Sister Diane, poor brother Marvin's had a bad day. Let's pray for him. He grabbed our hands. He spouted his head. And I put my head down. He said, Lord, help old brother Marvin. He's tired. He's been in seminary all day. He's hungry and he wants to eat. Lord, would you help this dear lady with her ankles and whatever? Would you help Brother Marvin? When he said amen, I was like, put the food back on the plate. <laughs> I'm going to see 
sister's ankles and pray for them. Friends, listen. It ain't easy serving Jesus. But it's possible because of him. And when we do those things, the things that we don't even realize, we're going to be rewarded. It's not easy on this earth. How many of you have figured that out yet? We get tired. We want to quit. But friends, if everybody quits, not just the other day I was here and I had to preach, and someone told me, Preacher, we're thinking about quitting our class because there ain't no kids and we're tired. And I'm like, okay, I wish I could say that. <laughs> I've tried to throw the towel in on Monday. Jesus picks it up and throws it back. And by grace, I keep getting it back up and I'm back up here on Sunday. It ain't easy, but it keeps happening because of him. And I want to quit all the time. I'll be honest with you, more than you would imagine. But you know what keeps me going? Not what I do, who I do it for. And one day I'm going to stand in front of him who died for me, who hung on a cross for me, who shed his perfect sinless blood for me, the one who created and said, let there be light. And one day, eons later said, and on this day, let there be Marvin. And he's going to mess up, and he's going to break my heart. But on this day, he's going to realize what I did for him, and he's going to receive me and I'm going to receive him and he's going to be adopted back into my family and he's going to serve me in my kingdom and that's what it's all about. Can I get an amen? Folks, we need you. Churches can't make it without servants. If you read the book and you study the book, when you get to the last book that God seen fit to put in the Bible, the book of Revelations, it starts out like this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants. Not believers. Servants. The things which must shortly take place. He sent them and signified them by his servant, John. Servants work. He gave seven messages to seven churches that represent every church until the church age to Jesus returns. And there's only two things that he said to all seven churches. Do y'all know what they are? The last thing he said was, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Do you know what the other one was? I know your works. Told every church, I know what you do and don't do. For me. Do you know what he says when he gets to the end of the book? When you get to the last chapter, fifth to last verse in the whole book of the Holy Word of God, Jesus says, And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my Lord is with me to give to everyone according to his works. Boy, that'll wake you up. That'll make you double check on the rapture. Friends, listen. Works are part of being a Christian. Don't let these liberal, casual, corrupt the gospel people tell you any different. We're not saved by works, but when you get saved, you're saved to work. And you won't mind working for Jesus. There's an old song we sing. Old minister of music I had, Brother Tommy Joe Butler used to sing it. It's called, We'll Work Till Jesus Comes. You ever heard it? I bet Brother John knows it. 
It goes like this. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. And we'll be gathered home. But listen to the words right quick. Listen to what it says. O land of rest for thee I sigh. You know what that is? That's heaven. You know why we sigh for it? Because it's difficult down here. We in the good fight. We run in the race. And look at what he says. When will that moment come? When I shall lay my armor by and dwell in peace at home. But we'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. And then we'll all go home. Oh, tranquil joys on earth I know. No peaceful sheltering doors. This world's a wilderness of woe. Thank God for this. This earth is not my home. And I don't know about you, but one day, one day this happened to me. To Jesus Christ I fled for rest. He bids me cease to roam. And to lean for comfort on his breast till he conducts me home. But until then, I'll work till Jesus comes. I'll work till Jesus comes. I'll work till Jesus comes. And then I'll be gathered home. I hope that this touches you. The church is dying because we are no different than the dying American culture who thinks everything is a freebie and a handout. Our God loves us too much to let us go without, but he's not going to do everything for us that he's given us the grace and the ability to do for ourselves, for his glory. You're going to have to learn to pray, some of you. You're going to have to learn to get into work. You're going to have to learn to go witness to your neighbor. You're going to have to learn to pull your bootstraps up and learn how to get up and keep going in the name of Jesus. And friends, when we begin to do that, we'll change America. We'll change our families. But it's going to take work. I wish I could tell you you could just magically say a prayer. But the church has lost her will to work. And I think we need to wake up and get back to work for our boss, King Jesus. Amen. I'm going to pray, and Brother John's going to come sing, and I hope you're going to just listen to Jesus and do what he asked you to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just want to raise up people who honor you. and I want to be one of them, Lord. I want to be a leader who sets an example. And Lord, I know I can be lazy. I know I don't do everything I'm supposed to do. But, Lord, I want to stay in the fight. I want to keep running the race. I want to finish the course, Lord. And so, Lord, I thank you that this far you've kept me going. But, Lord, help us to work. Help us to be faithful stewards of what you've given us. And, Lord, I know there's enough people right here that we could, Lord, we could make a difference in this community for your kingdom, that we could build your church and grow if we'd all work together. Lord, there's some people in the book of Nehemiah that built a wall in 52 days that had been torn down for 70 years. And they built it because the Bible says they had a mind to work. Lord, I'm praying, I'm asking for you to raise up workers today. You tell us that 
the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And Jesus, you work for us. Help us by grace to work for you. I'm asking if there's one who's not saved today, let him be saved. Let him come forward and receive Jesus and be forgiven. But for those of us who are saved, help us to repent, be willing to serve you through your church for your glory and for our benefit. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless.